Praise the Lord. We will leave different from the way that we came in today. It's already too late. Uh, if uh, you're not prepared to leave different, it might be better to leave before different happens. <laughs> Exodus chapter 8, please, and verse 1. We're, we're continuing uh, our series this week. And uh, I've entitled this A Theology of Worship. This will be the second part of a series that we'll see how far we go. But um, maybe just by way of review to cover some of the things that I was in uh, last week. And um, uh, just so we're all on the same, on the same page. In Exodus chapter 1, uh, eight, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go so that they may worship me. We talked about this thing that worship is, is not just singing, because if it was just singing, they would not have to go. There was something about the, 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 the land of Egypt, the system of Egypt, that was not conducive to the worship of God. And so the first step of worship is not tuning your guitar and singing the right song. The first step of worship, the first order of worship is to come out of Egypt. And we talked about last week how the, the problem with Egypt is that Egypt was a system that was built on the principle of one profiting at the expense of another. And God cannot be worshipped. God cannot be acknowledged in a system where one profits at the expense of another. God's system is different. Amen. They came out of Egypt with the plunder they took from Egypt. They built the tabernacle of Moses. And they also gave alongside the tabernacle of Moses to the law of Moses. Because the presence of God and the system and the law of God go together. Mm -hmm. We talked about that law is the love of God is divided into two. The Ten Commandments are divided into two parts, the love of God and the love of neighbor. Meaning that in God's system, we don't profit at the expense of another. In God's system, we fight for one another so that we prosper together. Hallelujah. That is where God is worshipped. As long as we are in Egypt, we cannot uh, truly worship God. So the first order of worship is coming out of Egypt. And that's what we are going to do uh, a little bit more today. Today, uh, I'm going to work, uh, continue building this case. I want us to get a, a picture of how important this is to God, how, how central this is to God's heart. Okay, and we're going to uh, look at uh, just a warning, a lot of scriptures today. I normally have maybe two, three scriptures and then an illustration, an example, a dance, and then uh, something like that. Today, let's just let the word speak to us. I mean, just let the word speak. Let's be good ground for the word of God. And let's just allow the word, the scriptures just to, to speak. So continue to build this case. We're going to start in the Old Testament with concepts and ideas from the Old Testament. And we'll go and all the way up to the ministry of Jesus, depending on how our time goes. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Now, this is a story uh, of Joshua received the leadership mantle from Moses. His job was to bring the people into the promised land. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this story. The, the, the way it worked is that the promised land was on the other side of the Jordan. So they had to cross the Jordan to possess the promised land. The promised land was over there. And that was the plan. But there was three tribes, Gad, Reuben, and Manasseh, who on the east side of the Jordan, meaning before they crossed, they found land that they desired. And they, they asked permission uh, to possess this land on the east side of the Jordan. And Moses, uh, the Lord, gave them the, 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 the blessing to take the land on condition. 
And the condition was, you take the land, but, and let's pick up uh, in verse number, uh, verse number 12. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 12. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all of your fighting men, fully armed, must cross ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them and that you may go back after that you may go back and occupy your own land which Moses the servant of the Lord gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise praise the Lord so you see it's not just about possessing your land it's about possessing your land in a way that is conducive to the worship of God amen God was giving them instructions that the way we possess is not with the spirit or the system of Egypt. The way we possess our land is fighting for one another. So you settle your land here, keep your families and your livestock here, but everyone take your sword and go and march with your brothers so that they can possess their land just like you possess your land. Fight for one another because that, con that is the true spirit of worship and then it says in in the next uh, chapter 4 joshua chapter 4 um, verse 12 it says the men of reuben gad and the half tribe of manasseh crossed over armed in front of the israelites as moses moses directed them Ooh, hallelujah so not only did they fight with them they went ahead of them with their swords drawn Meaning we're going to make sure that we're not the only ones who prosper here. Everybody prospers together. Because that is the true worship of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's how they possessed the promised land. They possessed the promised land with this spirit. Okay. And when they possessed the promised land, God gave them further instructions. Um, in, in Leviticus chapter 23, how they were supposed to live once they had possessed their land. Uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 23 verse 22 instructions for living in your land when you reap the harvest of the land do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest leave them for the poor and the alien I am the Lord your God meaning that now that you have your land and it's time to harvest your land make sure that none of the spirit or the the the, the smell stench of Egypt follows you into your possession. We don't prosper at the expense of another. We fight for one another so that we prosper together. That is the ingredients for the worship of God. So when you're harvesting, leave the edges. When you're possessing the land, fight for your brother. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. All right, uh, Isaiah chapter 58. Now after they possessed their land, they lived in their land for many years. Uh, several centuries passed, several kings came and went, and then uh, we come across uh, the, time, the, uh, the prophet Isaiah, who prophesied between the kings of Uzziah, Uzziah and Hezekiah. And so they were still in the land at this time, but something happened to their worship. And in Isaiah 58, uh, God calls them out. It's a lot of scriptures here, so I'm just going to try to jump a little bit here and there. Um, 
verse 1, and then we'll, we'll jump around a little bit. Isaiah chapter 58 and verse 1. It says, Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for decision, for just decisions, and seem eager to come uh, for God to come near them. Why, uh, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Verse 5, is this the kind of fasting I have chosen? Only a day for a man, uh, only a day for a man to humble himself. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is this what you call a fast, a fast a fast a day acceptable to the Lord God is asking verse 6 is this, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Look at that. Hmm? Verse 8. Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And it goes on and it goes on and it goes on uh, with these kind of ideas. But the idea that we're seeing is that the people were worshipping by way of external uh, ceremony and ritual. Okay? Uh, and, and when they came and gave their worship to God, it looked good. God himself says, it seems like these people really want to serve God. It seems that they want God to come near to them. But isn't it amazing? The true worship of God has nothing to do with external ceremony. God, man looks at outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So God looked at the outside and said, this looks good. This looks like these people really want to serve God. But when he looks at the heart, mm, he finds the system of Egypt is fully constructed inside here. And they themselves were confused, saying, we've gone through all of the programs. We've observed the fast days. We've observed the worship ceremonies. Why don't you hear us? And God says, I'll tell you why you don't hear us, uh, why, why I don't hear you, is because worship is yet to be offered from your lives. It may be coming out of your mouth, but it's not coming out of your life. You are taking advantage of one another instead of sharing what you have with one another. Because we don't start worshiping God when the band starts playing. We, we love the band. Tabariku, bandoch, everybody. God bless the band and worship team. And the director of music. <laughs> All right? But true worship is not what comes from the, 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 the mouth. True worship begins with how we live our lives in such a way that we fight for one another, that we don't prosper at the expense of others, but we fight for one another so that we prosper together. True prosperity is the prosperity that is a shared prosperity. Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 7. 
I said, I'm going to let the word speak. I'm getting carried away. Zechariah chapter 7. Okay, now the, the, notice the timing. The, the book of Joshua was written or it records when they possessed their promised land. The instructions of Leviticus was how to live in your promised land. Okay, in the middle of living in their promised land, we see this command of Isaiah who said, there's something wrong with the worship, red flag. All right, and when uh, what, what eventually happened to the children of Israel, that generation was actually uh, 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 taken away. Uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar came, took the land, uh, set the temple on fire, took the captive. Those who survived were taken as captives to Babylon, and they were slaves in Babylon for seventy years. Okay, at the end of seventy years, God raises up raises up uh, other great men of of God, uh, like Zerubbabel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And they raise up this prophet called Zechariah. Okay? And Zechariah, uh, in the time of captivity, when they had come back after 70 years to start rebuilding. Okay? Different seasons, but God's heart has not changed. Different times, God's worship does not change. Alright? And this is what he says. Verse 4. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 4. Then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests. When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months for the past 70 years, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words of the uh, are these not the words the Lord proclaimed? Through the earlier prophets, when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous, and, and the Negev and the western foothills were settled. 8. And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless the alien or the poor in your hearts in your hearts do not think evil of each other hmm? this was the problem with their fasting and with their praying um, let's just go on verse 11 but they refused to pay attention and stubbornly they turned their backs and stopped up their ears they made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets so the Lord Almighty was very angry verse 13 when I called they did not listen so when they called I would not listen says the Lord Almighty. I scattered them with a whirlwind among, whirlwind among the nations where they were strangers. The land was left desolate behind them. No one could come or go. This is how they made the pleasant land desolate. Just a word about this. God is giving them a narrative of why you are in the situation that you are in. This is why the land has remained desolate. The pleasant land has been left desolate and all of the inhabitants are scattered like the whirlwind all around the strange nations of the world. It sounds like a lot of countries that I know of that I'm living in right now. Hmm? And, and the question of the people is, how could this happen to us? Because we are observing the fast and the feast on the fifth and the seventh months. We've been doing this for 70 years. By, by now, God, you surely should have visited us. You surely should have blessed us. You surely should have listened to us. But God is saying, no, I will not listen to you because you do not listen to me. How? It's not by observing the ceremony. It says, you have not administered true justice. 
In your hearts, you think evil toward one another. So you're worshiping God externally. Perfect. Shoot the video camera now. But in your hearts, you can't take a video of the heart, but the heart is visible to God. Everything is visible to God. We worship God from the heart. And God said, when I see your hearts, see, they had a good heart toward God, but they did not have a good heart toward one another. And God says, until we fix that heart toward one another, it does not count for worship. I cannot hear that. Hmm. There is something I can hear, but I cannot hear that. True worship. Eh? Consider one another. Administer true justice. Consider the fatherless and the widow. Eh? Leave the, 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 the edges of your field. Prosper together. Fight for one another. That's what constitutes true worship. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so, so I, I think I've made my case. Hmm? At least by way of the Old Testament, I think I've made my case. Eh? Worship is not a song. Worship is a system. A system where we look out for one another. A system when we fight for one another. A system where we create the program where everyone pros uh, prospers together. And when we come to the New Testament, the defining event of the New Testament is the Gospels and Jesus Christ. To prepare the way for the, the coming of Jesus Christ, God raised up John the Baptist. John the Baptist is called the forerunner. He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. He came to restore all things. And he became to prepare the way for the Lord. But how did John prepare the way for the Lord? You know, we have the, the, the African Union meetings every year. And we see the, the heads of government of all 53 uh, member states come to Addis Ababa, and, and it's the worst traffic season in, in, the, in, the, in the calendar year. All right, at least nod your head or do something. We all live here. Uh, traffic is terrible. Prices go up. Hotels are impossible. We usually have Africa rise about that time. It's impossible to get nice hotel prices. Uh, it's possible to get nice car uh, leasing options. Everything goes up. The reason is, is because the kings are coming. Okay, so the way we prepare the way for the kings, if you notice, we have big protocol of, of, of uh, car, cars lined up, uh, motorcycles, uh, uh, chauffeurs riding ahead of all of these amazing leaders and kings. We have red carpet, we have billboard advertising, welcome, welcome. We even have some of you, we know who you are, your job changes during that week because you disappear and you become Madam, Her Excellency, Her Majesty. And I'm, not, I'm not talking to any, I'm just saying. Okay, some normal people become different people. Okay, during that week. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, so that is how the reason we do that is because it's time for the kings to come. When the kings, when the leaders come, the protocol changes. Now, John the Baptist was a forerunner. He came to prepare the way, not for an earthly king, but for the king of kings. He came to prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, for the coming redemption of all mankind. But he did not roll out a red carpet. No protocol, no, no Mercedes stretch limousine, come on somebody. His job was to prepare the way. But there was no billboard advertising, no to 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 the king is coming. He came with a message of repentance. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand all right and then they asked him they asked him okay we hear what you're saying but what do we do now eh? in Luke chapter 3 
Luke chapter 3 and verse number 10. Luke chapter 3 verse 10. Who's coming? The king is coming. Not just the king, the king of kings. The Lord of lords. It's time to prepare the way. And the crowds ask in verse number 10, what should we do then? The crowd asked. Hmm? John answered, the man who has two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. The tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your, with your pay. That's it? I mean, the king of kings is coming? And you're asking us if we have two clothes, two I, tunics is like old-fashioned suits. If you have two suits, give one, that's it? Yeah, because we don't prepare the way for this king with external fanfare. We prepare the way for the king internally with our heart, with how we treat one another. And, and I feel we're living in a This is protocol for how we prepare the way for the king. And I feel that we are in a season now where the king is coming again, just like he said the first time. Yeah? And, and when he's coming, the protocol for his coming is the same. Yeah? If you have two, share with the one who has none. Notice that there was different levels of profession that came and asked, what should we do? And there was different responsibilities to share your coat in each profession. Okay? The normal person, if you have two coats, eh, you only have one body, share what you have. If you have two, share, share what you have. Mm? Share with the one who has none. Okay? But the tax collector, that's different. What should we do? He says, don't collect more than is required of you. Because tax collection is the best paying job <laughs> in all of Palestine. Because you are, actually the, the, the history suggests that the Romans, they wanted to ensure that they got their taxes. So they allowed the tax collector to charge whatever extra they wanted as their own take home pay. So, you know, everybody wanted to get a job as a tax collector. It's like the best paying, I mean, you could tell the tax collectors from far away with all their bling, all right? Uh, and what about the soldiers? Well, that's a different level. Don't extort money, you see? So everybody has a responsibility in whatever field that you are in to offer worship up to, up to God with that office, with that position, Amen? So if you are a doctor, treat your patients with the best ethical practice. Show the love of God to your patients. Mm? To the business people, pay your taxes faithfully. Take care of your employees. Treat them like family. Mm? To the teachers, teach your students to the best of your ability. Be fair, be administer true justice. If you are serving people, don't just serve people. Serve people with your whole heart. Give everything and beyond. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? Because we don't worship God by how we address God. We actually worship God by how we address and treat one another. Jesus. That's when we come out, start coming out of Egypt. That's when God starts to truly be worshipped. And I think we need a revival of a different kind. A re revival on coming out of Egypt taking our church out of Egypt. 
Hallelujah. Being generous with what we have. Showing true justice and administering true, true justice. Showing true love and compassion toward one another. Hmm. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then Jesus finally came. John prepared the way and Jesus came. This Jesus. The one whom all Moses and the prophets prophesied. Hmm? This Jesus whom Isaiah said the virgin shall be with child and he will, she will have a son and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. The government shall be upon his shoulders. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. This Jesus, the one that had been prophesied, he showed up. The one whom John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The one whom John the Apostle said, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The Jesus who came, who was from the foundation of the world, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. The one who came as the redemption and the propitiation of the sins of all mankind. He came. And he came to the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was tax collector. And the tax collectors were known by two things. They were very wealthy and they were very crooked. And, and, and Jesus comes and immediately when Jesus came to, to, to the house of Zacchaeus, everyone starts talking. They, he's, this man is supposed to be the Messiah. And he goes into the house of sinners. Hmm? He goes into the house of Zacchaeus. He should be going to the temple with a fat robe and, and have everyone sing songs to him or something. He goes to sinners. Okay? And, and, and Luke chapter 19, look what happens. He's in the house of Zacchaeus, in the house of a sinner. Everyone's talking. All right? Uh, verse 7, Luke chapter 19, verse 7. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Hmm. Verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Because, see, there's something about the presence of Jesus that demands the system of Jesus. You cannot have the presence of Jesus without the system of Jesus. You cannot worship Jesus in Egypt. It's as you come out of Egypt, as you come out of that system into the system of God, that God eh, translates that into, into worship. And I thought it was interesting. Zacchaeus never took the class or took the sermon, heard the sermon of theology about worship. Hmm? Something about the presence of Jesus automatically translated to true worship. Hallelujah. There's something about his presence that refuses. Egypt is not comfortable in the presence of God. Egypt starts trembling eh, in the presence of God. True worship. Amen. True worship. But nobody embodied the system of, of, of Jesus hmm, more than Jesus himself. Hmm? Jesus was the king of his kingdom. And he got it right because he's the king of the king. In fact, no one offered true worship the way Jesus offered true worship. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Your attitude 
should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, it says that your attitude should be like Jesus, who being in very nature one with God, did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped. Okay, And then it says that he humbled himself, and because he humbled himself and became obedient to death, it says, therefore, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every other name. That's why we worship and praise him today. Okay, but, And we understand this scripture, but I saw something in this that really blessed me. Whew. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, you see, when Jesus was exalted, when the Father exalted and gave him the name that is above every name, and, 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 and uh, uh, that at the, the, the mention of his name, every knee should bow, every tongue confess that he is Lord. Amen, amen, amen. That is true. But what I realized is that was not a new position for him. Actually, when he was exalted... He was actually exalted to the exact same position that he had before. Because it says at the beginning that he was one in nature with God. So you don't get higher than God. So he was exalted, he humbled himself, and he was exalted again to the same position, not to a higher position. It, when he took that, that seat again of, of authority, it was not a strange seat for him. He says, wow, look at this. This is the exact same seat that he had before. It's just like you went for a while and came back. What's the difference? What's the, what, if you're taking the same seat, why did you go through all that? To lose that seat, to go through that suffering, only to take the seat again. And the Lord showed me something. That ministry that God gave to us by way of Jesus, it was not just so Jesus could take his seat again, but, that, but so that he could take some people with him. Ah, so that when he took that seat, eh, he took some people with him, namely Pastor Z, namely Emma, namely Pastor Misu. Eh? So that's why the Bible says that we now have been seated with him in the heavenly places. Eh? That's why the Bible says that, that uh, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. That's why the Bible says when he rose from the dead, he told Mary and he says, now I am going to tell the disciples, I'm going to my father and to your father. Whoa. And my God. And because Jesus fought for us. Because Jesus was not comfortable having that seat by himself. He decided to fight for somebody so that where he is, we can also be there with him. Hallelujah. So Jesus embodied the very worship that he demands of us. 
Jesus was the champion of the true worship. He is the king of his kingdom. And that's why he's so concerned about how we treat one another. Because he's not asking us to do anything different from what he himself has done for us. It was not comfortable in prospering by himself. He said, we are going to prosper together and I'm going to fight to make sure, pay whatever price I need to pay to ensure that this prosperity is a shared prosperity. That my seat becomes our seat. That my blessing becomes our blessing. In fact, the, the language that Romans uses to describe this, he says that we are now joint heirs. Meaning that right now I am seated at I. I'm seated right there where Jesus is seated. That, that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. And this nincompoop, undeserving, sinner, self-loving, self-righteous, confused, eh, has found a seat right there with you. What are you doing there? I'm with him. I ask him. Eh? I told this story a long time ago. I haven't said it in a long time. When we were living in America, a long time ago when I was a kid, we lived in the city of Chicago. And we lived in a house where we shared the house with Uncle Henry Souls and Aunt Effie Souls. Uncle Henry Souls was a tall African-American guy, like very unusually abnormally tall. But he was, it's really cool. Like I think I had the best uh, house. We shared the house. So what do you call house? Made family, whatever, in the world. Uncle Henry Souls was uh, the chaplain for all Chicago sports teams. Okay, this means if you're familiar, Chicago Cubs, Chicago Bears, Chicago Bulls, <clears throat> AKA Michael Jordan, the greatest of all time forever. I don't care what you say. <laughs> so that means his job is he goes to every home game. He has this special pass that was arranged for him. He goes into the, the you know, there's players uh, entrance and fans entrance, two different things. If you don't have a pass, you don't get into the player's entrance. He has a pass. He goes into player's entrance because he does chapel service for the players for every home game. And one day, uh, he said to me, choo-choo, that's what they used to call me, choo-choo, don't say anything. <laughs> don't say anything. I should not have said that. What am I doing? Would you like to go with me to the game? And when you're a little boy, to go to see the stars that you see on TV, that's just like beyond. That's like, why do you need to go to heaven? Huh? <laughs> this is heaven. Choo-choo, would you like to go? I said, yes, I'd like to go. And, and so he took me with him. We took the train. We took the L. We got off at Wrigley Field. Chicago Cubs, come on, somebody. And, and, and I was maybe seven, eight years old. He took me by the hand, like, I'm like, you know, because he's very tall. <laughs> and, and we got to the stadium. Hmm? All the fans went this way. And I, together with Uncle Henry Souls, went to the player's entrance. <laughs> like I belonged. And then in the, in the, as we got on there, you know, Uncle Henry Souls went ahead of me. All right? And he started to, you know, meet the people. I remember... I don't know if I should say this from the pulpit or not. Like there was a very big star player back then. His name was Dave Kingman. Dave Kingman was like, you know, he big baseball player. He, like, he was huge. But you know, when you're athletes and the changing rooms, everything is kind of free. He came out of the shower. He, Uncle Henry Souls went ahead somewhere and I got lost in the crowd. And I'm here in this locker room. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And then one of the players was sitting there and he says, hey, what are you doing here? 
And I was like, I just felt my, like, because I lost Uncle Henry's souls. I don't have a pass. He has the pass. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be put in jail. I don't know. And it's just, you, I started to shake because I didn't belong there. What are you doing here? I said, and just as I was about to cry, Uncle Henry souls comes in. That's all right. Big voice, tall, if you can picture. I'm not doing a good job. That's all right. He's with me. You see that? And, and the, the guy's face changed. Oh, he's with you? Hi, little man. What's your name? Eh? Here, let me sign for you. I have no business being there. Little boys don't belong here. But I did not come here by myself. <clears throat> I came here with Uncle Henry Souls. He has the past. My entrance is based on him and not on me. Right now... See, Uncle Henry Souls paid the price. He went ahead of me. He went and did all of the negotiation and whatever to ancient. All I had to do is stick with him and I get all the privilege of being in the place that I have no business being in. And it's the same for us. Because Jesus loved us so much, he went ahead of us. He paid a price that no one could pay. And he was exalted. The Father said, therefore, God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. Hallelujah. But he did not take that position by himself. Someone got a hold of Jesus. And look at me now. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I have no business being here. Eh? But he said that I'm with him. Hallelujah. So I am seated now with Christ Jesus in the heavenly places. Eh? I am a joint heir with God in Christ Jesus. In fact, even he gave me some extra, just for extra. He said the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is also living in me. Where did that come from? What kind of fasting and prayer did I do? I didn't do any fasting and prayer. I didn't do anything to deserve this. I only got this when I lifted my hand and said yes to Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm with him and he's with me. Hallelujah. Any questions you have about me being in this place, ask him. Any confusion you have about my position, ask him. Anything that looks like I don't deserve it, you're probably right, but ask him. Hallelujah. He has taken care of the bill. Hallelujah. Because he could not stand a heaven without me. He could not stand a blessing without me. So he fought for me to make room so that I could be with him where he is. Christ Jesus having done this for us. Eh? It's only natural. His presence, his truth. It's only natural for us to pass this on. Amen. How do we prepare? Eh? If you have to. Share with, with the one who doesn't have. Eh? If you're in a corrupt business situation, just do the right thing. Hmm? If it's time to say no, administer true justice. Just say no. Eh? This is God we are serving. Hallelujah. Yeah. Make a way for someone else. Don't think evil in your hearts toward one another. Because hmm? this is God we're dealing with. Yeah. Uh, for a church service, we can't see what's going on in your heart toward one another. But this is God's house. That's what he's looking at right now. And when he sees that yeah, he says, okay, worship has begun now. We've just left Egypt now. Hallelujah. Amen. So I want to encourage you. Hallelujah.
I want to I encourage you. Uh, I, I believe the Lord has given us something. Let's just do whatever it takes to worship. Hmm? Worship is not what comes out of our mouth. It's what comes out of our lives. It's what comes out of our hearts toward one another. Amen? And so let that re revival, revolution, whatever it takes, let it begin now. Let the river flow from the house of God now. Let's fix whatever we need to fix. We're all scattered across different responsibilities, different, and God has a worship designed for you wherever you are. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> I thank God for Uncle Henry Souls. He passed away recently, but uh, I thank God for his life. And uh, I think, I think that, that, uh, he could have enjoyed that locker room by himself. But he says, choo-choo, that's our secret, okay? Let's not tell anybody. Mr. Noishi. And don't, don't, like someone heard this and they would not leave me alone for a long time. They actually started calling me Pastor Choo-choo. That's not allowed in here. Hmm? No, it's not allowed. Uh, but, but, uh, he, he saw and, and said, you know, let me take him with me so that he can enjoy this blessing. I, I think that would be a, a blessing. There's some things that we can open up for people that really be a blessing for other people. Uh, how we live our lives in this, God will give us wisdom and the Holy Spirit will whisper to you. But, but Chad, let's not enjoy the blessing by ourselves. If we have to share, eh? we live for him in everything we do. And I think something special will start to transpire. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your help today. I pray more than what I said by your Holy Spirit. Drop that truth into the hearts of your people. May we not be worshipers by way of mouth only, but let's be worshipers with our lives, from our hearts, Father God. Let's treat one another in a way that honors you. Father God, let's be compassionate and loving toward one another, Father God, because it's you that we're living for. It's you that we're fighting for. It's you that has given us this privilege even to come into your presence. So, Father God, let's complete the circle by treating one another with love. Let us be known by the love that we have for one another because you have demonstrated what this means.